Well, good morning and welcome to Overeat is Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Monday. It's uh, July 11th, 2016. Today we're reading from the big book. We're in chapter six, Into Action, and uh, we're going to be reading on page 82 today. Um, We're going to start with the context in uh, paragraph one and continue with the page. Today, readers are for the OA 12 Steps. I believe it's going to be Ruth B. And then the 12 OA Traditions will be read by Anita L. The readers of the text are going to be Chelsea H., Carmela G., and Lisa H. Now, the reference number for yesterday, Sunday, our special edition meeting, that was on July 10th, is 8 nine zero four and the presentation was entitled anonymity our spiritual foundation by marcella m all right our oa preamble overeaters anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the OA 12 steps for those who still suffer. OA's, our sole purpose is as such. OA is, uh, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Had a vision for you, big book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ruth B. to please read OA's 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. Good morning, all. This is Ruth C. from Atlanta and the 12 steps, and I'm a recover compulsive overeater. Um, The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, 
made a direct amends to such made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive over ears and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to service, and I pass. And thank you, Ruth C. Okay, I will now ask Anita L. to please read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia, the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeaters who still suffer. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. And thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and share on what was read. We can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement 
for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. Now to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. And in order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we're going to resume our study in the big book on page 82. And our first reader will be reading two paragraphs and focusing on the second paragraph that she is going to read. I will now ask Chelsea H. to please begin reading. Thank you, Janice. Um, Good morning. Chelsea H., I'm a recovered compulsive eater, living in the solution one day at a time. Perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. No outsider can appraise such an intimate situation. It may be that both will decide that the way of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. Each might pray about it, having the other's one's happiness uppermost in mind. Keep in Keep it always in sight that we are dealing with that most terrible human emotion, jealousy. Good generalship may decide that the problem be attacked on the flank rather than risk a face-to-face combat. If If no such complication, there is plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober, for there will be no home if he doesn't. But... He has yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents for whom years he has so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding is the patience mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would have no homes today, would perhaps be dead. Okay, still Chelsea recovered just for today. So um, right by the time I get to this part in the work, I've done the other steps, and I've leaned into them, and each step I was on built for me to get to this point. So I'm not just jumping in, running out, making amends. I've checked with people. I've worked with my guide who can help me kind of flesh out what I need to do, what my posture will be when I do it, and even down to the point of what I'll be saying roughly. Because for me, this, t- this part of the process, when I truly start examining the harmful behaviors and looking and discovering, I need to take action then because often I got to this point in the work and I did discover several things. I had done several examinations, but I hadn't taken any action on them. I hadn't done anything except thought about it. So this here is telling me that that's not sufficient that even if I don't have problems at home with a wife, if I'm single or whatever, the harms that I have done have to be addressed. And it's saying there's so much more I can do besides just be abstinent only, because abstinence only is not going to cut it. So I have to have the follow-up, and I call these um, freedom junkets. I get to go on there, and each one I do, the more I do, the freer I become, and that was my experience as well. My experience has been even to this day, as I continue to grow in effectiveness and understanding in this program, that whenever something crops up, I have to make some type of decision about it and then take action on it. And 
even though I'm absent in all this time, it won't matter if I'm not actively engaged in this process of continuing to keep my house clean. Because it says, trust your higher power and clean house. Trust your higher power, clean house, and become other-centered. I'm, each day I must be worried about how I can be, not worried, probably not the best word, but I must take into consideration others, as well as truthfully to take, make sure my own spiritual life is grown too, because I, I just realized that, you know, a lot of times I spend time doing so much work with others that I have to be sure that I don't rest on my own spiritual laurels and that I continue to grow that area too, because if you remember that warning that if we don't grow Spiritually, if we don't enlarge our spiritual life, we'll eat again. And that could be even to the point to where I'm so busy working with others, I haven't taken care of my own self. So this here is telling me that there will be work to be done on the information that I have discovered during my um, eighth and ninth step because they go together, and it will involve compassion, honesty. I'll have to be responsible, forgiveness, and self-discipline so that I'm not running around just making more trouble for myself. So I'm grateful for the directions and um, grateful to know that one day at a time I get to live in a space and practice, practice whatever my higher power has put me in, whatever position I'm put in, these principles in all my affairs. And the effectiveness is, is just incredible. I don't even know that the English language has a word for how wonderful this way of life is when you really become it. Thanks so much for letting me share. With that, I pass. And thank you so much, Chelsea H. Okay, the floor is going to be open, and we'd like to have um, shares focus on paragraph two, beginning with if we have no such complications. Who would like to begin? Charles H. Leslie. I hear Charles H. I heard Bella. I heard Bella. I heard Larry. Leslie. I think I heard somebody before Larry. Kim G. Yeah, Kim G. I heard. And then just one more, Leslie, is it? Leslie? Y- yes. Uh, I didn't get the glasses. Is, is it Bella G, Larry K, Kim G, and Leslie? What's the first initial there of your last name? Leslie W. All right, we got a nice group here. Charles H., you're going to start us off. Thank you, Janice, for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater just for today. Man, there's so much juicy stuff up in here. Um, so let me lock in on um, passing all understandings as the patient mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, so many of us would have no homes today, perhaps would be dead. And also I want to lock in on each might pray about it and the sentence before that, it may be, that both will decide that the way of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. My God. I mean, the stuff that took place this week, I don't, you know what? I, I, I just, you know, um, I, I need to let bygones, I need to love on people more. This world needs more love today. I'm going to love on people. I mean, the people on the train, the people on the bus that step on my toes, I'm going to love on them because we need more love in this world. And 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 I can just recall. I thank my mother for birthing me, right, and having these conflicts with her. If it wasn't for her and my wife, man, my God, this world need more love with all this drama that's going on in the world. I don't care what y'all say. I got to talk about it because it's real. Don't act like it ain't happening. 
we need to love on each other. And, um, man, it's just so much in here. I, I just see love in here. I just see change of attitude. I just see mindset. I got a hopeless and desperate mindset every single day. Um, I just want to tie this in real quick. I went to uh, talk to some AA old times. I said, man, I'm having trouble with some of these sponsees. Not that I have any expectations. He was like, you know, have them meditate and read page 58. Have them do that for, you know, seven days. And, and in the beginning of the book where it says alcohol is synonymous, have them put willing to go to any length and uh, sign that contract. Look at that thing, man. Look at that thing. And I'll, I'm like, wow, that's so dope. That's just such a great contribution to this world. And, and everybody got a, if you've got a mother and, she, and she's alive, you better, li- you better love on her. If you've got a wife or a husband, that's a, you better love on them. Love in your house first. That is the contract that I'm trying to sign because love is the message of this big book. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Charles H. Okay, Bella G., it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service. And thank you very much, everybody on the line. But he is yet. Wow. Thank you, God, that I am now in the program, and I know and I live the 12 steps one day at a time. Yes, today I know the program is not a diet for me. You know that I know already that I, I have an allergy in the body and obsession in the mind and a blockage in the spiritual thinking. And yes, you know, this that I am not running to the food, and this that I know that the food is not my, shalo- my solution, it's wonderful. But it's not everything. Yes, I know that, you know, my life is not only food. My life is more than this. And today, thank you, God, by living the 12 steps one day at a time, I learned to take... Um, that I am a responsible person. Yes, I am a responsible person because today I am connected to God. And yes, I know I am not perfect, and nobody here is perfect, only God. And today I am responsible. I learned to be responsible and to know that, yes, I have my character defect, that I have to work on them one day at a time because if I will be only away from the food, it's not enough. I still have to be responsible of myself, of my personality. And today I know, thank you, God, that I am not running to the food when I am happy or when I am sad, when I am angry or when I am jealous, because today the food is not my solution and it's not enough. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Bella G. Larry K., it is your turn. Good morning, Janice. Larry K., uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Yeah, I'm just going to focus in on the part <clears throat> where it talks about um, sobriety being enough. You know, um, the, um, you know, I had to go out and make these amends. Sobriety is not enough. And... Um, you know, when I went to people and made these amends and I said, you know, I, I've had an opportunity to look at my life and it, it's become clear to me that I owe you some amends. 
you know, maybe I was disrespectful, I was selfish, <clears throat> I was not always honest. I'd like to make some sort of reparations to you. And I remember one person saying, <clears throat> there was some silence, Larry, <clears throat> why don't you take your amends and shove it straight up here, you know what? Now, one of my real character defects was intellectual arrogance. See, I'm the guy, you might be different than me, but I'm the guy that sat in my car with my fist, by the way, buried in a, a cellophane bag or fast food bag, rehashing how I will verbally destroy you. You know, because hurt people definitely can hurt other people. And I, and I love, you know, that this paragraph, in this paragraph we're given some guidance of when and how and even if we're to make proper amends in, in these paragraphs. You know, sobriety is not enough. Um, sobriety, you know, dieting is great as far as it goes. And if you're not a compulsive overeater like me, it probably will work. But it wouldn't work for me. Sobriety is not enough. We, I had to go out and clean up my past. And how great is it that we have these specific instructions? I mean, it's not going to tell us. It's not a playbook for every different scenario. You know, we need the guidance of others. But I can trust that if, I, if my heart is in the right place and I am leaning into the higher power of my understanding and I'm going out um, with a, with a God-centered, you know, uh, mind to make these amends as best as I can because I'm never going to be able to make perfect amends. But if I go out and attempt to make these amends and not go out and continue to create the harm, you know, I'm going to begin to change. And that's what happened to me. And you know what? It continues to happen to me. I continue to change. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful program. Uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Mm. Thank you, Larry Kay. Kim G., you're up. Good morning, all. Good morning. My name is Kim G. I lost my phone there for a second. Um, I'm going to zone in on that line a long way. Oh, sorry. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say the only thing he needs to do is to keep sober. So I'm going to double down on what Larry was talking about. You know, when I thought sobriety is the goal, you know, being abstinent is the goal, of course, people should just be happy I'm abstinent. You know, doesn't matter how I treat them, doesn't matter what I did in the past. But my goal now is a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. So I'm going to have to go out there and I'm going to have to repair the damage I did drunk and the damage I did sober. You know, I had to bust these old ideas. And one of the old ideas I had to look at was this idea of living amends, which I personally used as a loophole. Because the way that I used that in, in my process was to say, I don't have to tell you what I did wrong. I'm just going to be a good girl now. I'm going to be abstinent, and you should just be happy for the fact that I'm abstinent. And what I think about when I use that concept in that way of living amends is when I was a kid, we had a lot of cousins, and we would get together on Thanksgiving, and they would make fun of me because of my weight, because of my teeth, because I was from Jersey and they were from Philly. And my feelings were so hurt. And we'd get together at Christmas, and they would act like nothing happened. They would be nice to me. But they wouldn't acknowledge how mean they were to me just a few months ago. And that's what I realized. When I do that with living amends, I just want to be good now because I don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation and I don't want to acknowledge where I was wrong. Now, ironically, I believe every amends is a living amends because what I do is I go out there and I admit why I was wrong. I say how I'm going to make it right. 
And then I have to demonstrate those principles and do, the, do those um, behaviors on an ongoing basis. But I cannot shirk from the idea that I have to go back and I have to repair those pasts. And there is an absolute freedom in repairing the damage we have done. And not just freedom for me. It's freedom for the other person because I am acknowledging that they were hurt. I am acknowledging my bad, act, my bad behavior. You know, I am so blessed, and I love how Chelsea calls them freedom junkets, because last, last week on an after meeting, someone shared about how someone really hurt them in No Readers Anonymous. And I was really struck because I remembered how I did a similar thing to someone when I was abstinent only and enraged. So yesterday, I called this person who I haven't seen in 15 years, and I made an amends to her. And I have to tell you, she doesn't remember me. She told me she doesn't remember me, but she remembered what I did and acknowledged how hurtful and painful it was to her. So not only was I free from what I had done and acknowledged my wrong, I gave her some freedom. So that is so essential. And I love the consistency of the big book. And I'm just going to finish up with this because we, the same concept was stated even before we started the steps and there's a solution. We feel that elimination of our drinking is by the beginning, a much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Thank you. Leslie W., it's your turn. Thank you, Janice. This is Leslie W., and I'm calling from uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I'm fairly new to this call, but I'm so glad that um, I'm tuning in. And I think it is no mistake, uh, not by accident, that I'm reading this paragraph because I'm really going through this right now, um, specifically with my husband. I've been in program now for at least five or six years. This is the second time around that I've worked these steps. And, um, you know, I, I, I've done this step before with him. And the part where it says, but he is yet, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, because, because she is yet a long way from making good to the husband for whom so many years she has shockingly treated. And that is so true for me. You know, I think that when I... When I made my amends with my husband, and this was several years ago, he was so angry. And I really expected for him to just be grateful that I was making the amends. I I think I expected for him to just magically say, I forgive you, I love you, let's go to the beach and have a wonderful vacation and forget all about these last 10 years you know, that's not what happened. And um, I had to deal, I'm still having to deal with some of the repercussions um, of my behavior. And, you know, I think that I'm realizing the second time around that words are not enough. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but it's so true that a remorseful mumbling won't fill the bill. It just won't. Or, you know, just simply saying I'm sorry won't fix it. And action has to be taken. And that's where I am right now. You know, I'm in constant prayer 
with God, and I read every morning um, a prayer that says, please show me how to make an amends to my husband. Help me to keep his well-being uppermost in my mind as I try with your grace to make this relationship right because that is my responsibility, and I am taking care of my responsibilities, and that feels really good to know that, Yes, I know that I'm still a long way from making good to him for the years that I have so shockingly treated him, but I'm making progress, and I'm changing, and I'm doing things differently now, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity that God has given me to have a second chance, you know, to be, to start new, And the same grace that my higher power has given me, I'm now extending to my husband for him to come around when he feels ready and for me to just do my part. So that's where I am today, and I I thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you so much, Leslie W. Okay, who else would like to comment on this paragraph, paragraph two? Nessa R. Nessa R. Anyone else? I'm sorry, I didn't get the first your first name. Shoshana K. Oh, Shoshana. Sarah W. Uh, Yes. Shoshana K. Nadia B. I heard Sarah W., but I heard somebody before Sarah. After Shoshana. A page we're on, sorry. Okay, after Shoshana. Sarah W., okay. And Nadia B., let's go with those four. We're on page 82. What page, please? Okay, yeah, we're on page 82, and we're focusing our shares on paragraph two, if we have no such complications, okay? So that was Nessa R. We'll begin our comments. Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto. Um, The um, part that speaks to me this morning is, but he is yet a long way, Away, a long way from making good to the wife or parents whom for years he has so shockingly treated. Um, when, I, when I came into program, I had only one thing in mind, and that was to be thin. Um, I had tried everything that I could think of, and everything had failed, and all I really wanted was to be thin. So certainly abstinence was my goal because that's what I thought would... Um, would, would make me thin and, and keep me thin. But then in program, I found out much, much, much more. Um, and the truth is that um, I came into program without any credibility. I had no credibility whatsoever with my family because all the acrimony in my family was mostly caused by my, either my weight or the way I was eating or the way I wasn't eating. I... Um, you know, the fights with my husband were over my weight and my food. Um, I acted out my restlessness, irritability, and discontentment when I was on a diet on everybody. Uh, and then when I was eating, I also acted out my um, self-loathing and, and self-hatred over, you know, the fact that I was in the food again, you know, like what was wrong with me? I don't respect myself. I have no self-control, no self-will, you know, all the things, all the emotions that go with, with active addiction. And so I just wreaked havoc in my life. And so 
and the lives of others. And along with that were many promises. I'm going to change. Tomorrow's going to be different. Um, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to treat you better. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And yet I would go back to do the same things over and over and over again. You know, it's like, oh, there she goes again. She's apologizing, but nothing's really going to change. And so I read this paragraph and it's like, it's not about abstinence. It's not about being thin. It's about how we interact with others and what we do when we are sober. Um, I cannot keep apologizing and doing the, the same thing, making the same harms or doing the same harms to the same people. It just cannot work that way. Um, you know, thank God that this is, this program is a program of transformation that, that has turned me into a completely different person who not only behaves differently but thinks differently so that I don't commit the same um, harms and the same faults over and over and over again. And it's, it's taken me a long time to rebuild the relationships and to regain the credibility. Uh, but it happens. It happens if I stick with it and if I keep my eyes on the prize. The prize is not abstinence. The prize is recovering a close connection with God, which also will set me in the, in the right path with my relationships with others. And I pass. And thank you so much, Nessa R. Shoshana K. Good morning, Janice. Thank you for your service. Good morning, Vision for You. Can you hear me? Yes. Just a little bit louder, maybe, if you could be. Okay, sure. Thank you, Shoshana from Maryland. Gratefully, newly recovered. And thank you, God. Thank you, Vision for You. I love this part about how it says the patience of our immediate family or the mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would have had, have no homes today perhaps and would perhaps be dead. Um, I just wanted to talk about when I made amends to my husband, and um, it was really hard. The, in the inner workings of the home is the hardest part for me. Um, that's where we're with our loved ones the most. We see them the most, and they reflect like a mirror back to us our character traits. And um, he had things to tell me that I needed to hear when I made my amends, and I wasn't expecting that. And I was so grateful, even though it was painful to hear it, that this is what I need to work on. This is why I'm in program, so that I can grow and change. And um it's easy to go outside into the world and be nice to everybody you see for a few minutes or a few hours, but the hardest part for me is to be, you know, making that real inner working change with the presence of God in my home and keeping the presence of God in my home. So I'm constantly doing that 10th step and um, working those inventories, even though I don't want to. I want to rest on my laurels and say, ah, it was so wonderful and beautiful and peaceful to make that amend and face it and do it but you have to keep going it's it's if i don't keep going and keep working the program then i'm going to wind up back to square one after all that hard work and um this is a living program that goes on and on for my life and i'm really grateful for it and with that i'm going to pass and wish everyone a beautiful day and thank you so much shoshana um, Sarah W., it's your turn, please. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um, 
one of my favorite parts in the book and, and very, very important to me along with the family afterward. Um, I have to say that, um, you know, my solution was food. My solution to my problem was food. And my problem was really how do I live in this world um, and deal with with what the world deals deals me out um, and not have a tantrum. <laughs> Uh, there's a thing called King Baby, and it draws me back to the idea that um, I'm a very immature personality, that not only selfishness, but, you know, my lack of being able to deal with the word no, to uh, remember that uh, people are who they are and that um, I need to respect them. Um, being able to delay gratification has created so many problems for me in, in my interpersonal relationships, especially with family, because as was stated, you know, that's who we deal with the most. And it is the most difficult to um, to uh, start living this program in our homes. But without doing that, we're going to pick up because the guilt and the shame and the remorse becomes too much. And as I was reading this this morning, and of course the next page is probably one of my very favorite pages in the book, but uh, the reality of how much harm we've caused, we can't have this thought that people are going to all of a sudden say, okay, you've changed, so now I'm going to change too. Or, or you've changed and now I can accept it and, and you know, I won't have feelings about what, what has been done in the past. And to be honest with you, my, my behaviors were not about the food, for instance. I mean, there were some, but more importantly, I was very demanding, very insulting to people, uh, really wanted people to do what I wanted them to do in, in life and um, very disrespectful. So those are the amends that I make today with, to, the, to the best of my ability. Of course, I'm not a perfect human being and, and I do fall from grace, but uh, I'm very grateful to have this beautiful design for living. And as it says, this spiritual life is not a theory. We do have to live it. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah W. Okay, Nadia B., you'll be the last one before we go on. Nadia. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, there is plenty we shall do at home. And I think for the past few weeks, um, I I so needed to hear that. Um, You know, I... um, have been in OA rooms for the past five years. And, um, you know, I would be coming back home from a meeting and, uh, you know, try to practice self-care. I thought that being sober, you know, I was doing service to everyone around me because, you know, now I'm sober. Uh, Look, now I'm, I'm not depressed, you know, sitting on the couch eating. Um, but I was still irritable, and, um, you know, for the past five years, my family, especially my husband, never knew who he was going to uh, come hope, uh, home to, to a depressed, you know, uh, person on the couch or, you know, happy, joyous uh, post-meeting person, um, you know, that was jumping around and trying to do service as I was taught in the meeting, you know, um, or trying to practice self-care and, you know, making my food and caring for myself because that's what, you know, I thought was the most important part of my life. 
But what I realized post doing after I've done my amends that, um, you know, same person will eat again and change is of absolute necessity. Um, and what can we change? Only ourselves. And, uh, you know, today um, it is my character defect. Some of them have claw marks on them. Uh, you know, it is hard to let go of them. And practicing patience, tolerance, and loving attitude towards others, uh, you know, is sometimes not as easy. And um, it comes in practice. And today, you know, I'm really practicing it in all my affairs. And that's what this living amends are for me. And, um, you know, thank God for this design for living. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Nadia B. Okay, Camilla G., would you kindly read that last paragraph on page 82? Thank you, Janice. Thank you for your service. This is Carmela G., a compulsive overeater from New York. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he remarked, Don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Well, this is Carmela, and I tell you, it took a year in program of working this book before I realized that just shedding the weight, just changing and altering the outside packaging, that I, I didn't need just to do that. That was a little bit of a benefit, going from 315 down to a normal body size. That was a benefit that was given to me, but the real work had to come from the inside out. And the real work has to come, and, and I will refer to someone who did a story in the back of the book who said life is like two railroad tracks. His name was Phil D. He recently passed. And Phil used to say life is like two railroad tracks. One track is life, one track is program. They can never cross over. So unless we pause, we pray, we meditate, and keep our program in check, and when we make amends, mean amends, amends means to change, change our behavior. We have to rebuild that trust as we roared through so many lives and one day at a time, and that's what it's all about. And thank you for allowing me to do service. Hmm. Thank you, Carmela G. Okay, who would like to comment on paragraph three, the last paragraph on page 82? Nancy R. Reva P. I heard Nancy R., and then there was someone else. Alexis H. Amy G. Alexis H., 
I think was, they, was it was it Reva P too? Alexa yes. H. Yeah, Reva P. And then I heard Kathy. I heard Kathy K. Um, and I Amy, heard somebody. A, a, Amy G. Amy. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Shannon Amy F. G. All right, let's go. Okay, Judy we're going to go with the. <laughs> I don't think we'll have enough time, but what we may. Let's start off with Nancy R. first. Okay, Nancy, please go ahead. Oh, good morning. And thank you for your service. My name is Nancy R. I'm a grateful recovery consultative leader. Uh, trying to live in the solution one day at a time to the best of my ability. And uh, this, uh, for years, I've been in program for so many years, and um, I, I, I don't regret any of the time that I had in program, even if I was not recovered, because I, I without a doubt, had I not been, uh, I would not be where I am today. So uh, for a long time, uh, I really felt that this did not apply to me. Just a moment, please. Uh, just a moment. Okay, um, as I was saying, for many years, I felt like um, this particular section section didn't apply to me because for most of my adult life, actually up until three years ago, I was single. So my home consisted of me. Uh, So I really just sort of skimmed over this. But as I began to delve more into um, recovery, uh, it deals with relationships, whether you're single or whether you're married. You know, how has my behavior, how has my uh, addict behavior affected my interactions with other people? And I was really able to see the self, how my selfishness and self-centeredness wanted life to go uh, as I wanted to go, uh, how I had been selfish and inconsiderate. Uh, and the, the habits that I had had uh, formed as a result of my uh, addictive thinking. So uh, I'm so grateful for the understanding that this uh, uh, fellowship and, and this step has has given me that uh, I, I'm responsible for uh, uh, recovery behavior in all of my interactions. Not just now I am married. And uh, had had I not had this program, I probably would have been unmarried after six months. But this program has given me a design for living that works in all situations, and for that I'm grateful. With that, I'll, I'll end my share. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Nancy R. Alexis H., it's your turn. Hi, can you hear me? I can. All right. This is Alexis H., a compulsive eater in upstate New York. And um, let's see. So I guess what jumps out for me from this paragraph is the, the section, you know, we think a man is unthinking if he says that sobriety is enough. And um, what this program has meant to me is that I have to go through the book with a sponsor, work the steps as they come, and that my life has to shift. Because I used to oscillate between being like a self-centered person, you know, who was just obsessed with what I needed to take care of what was going on in my life. And then other times I would swing over into the other extreme of being really other-centered, just like trying to do-do-do for others. And um, neither of those really 
serves, like the, a purpose for my higher power. So what I've had to do instead now is to be God-centered, which means throughout the day, you know, pausing when agitated. It means praying when I'm scared, praying when I'm angry, just like turning to my higher power throughout the day to ask for guidance. And sometimes the guidance is to take care of myself, and sometimes the guidance is to, to be there for others. And um, I think that's all I have this morning. So thank you for listening, and I pass. Well, thank you. Thank you. Breva P. It is your turn. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I just feel a burning desire to share on the term tornado roaring my life through the way of others because that was me in the food and it can be me in abstinence only. Tornado and roaring. Roaring means so loud. Um, Slamming doors, yelling, everything can be a crisis and an emergency and a big drama if I'm in the food or abstinent only. And, you know, there's no uh, Band-Aid, there's no quick fix for me, there's no affirmation that's going to make me a changed person. Um, The only way I can change is by doing the work, and it's always the last thing I really want to do. I want to talk. I want to rationalize, I want to logic it away and just um, not have to do the work. Um, So right now I have a little resentment against the phone company um, for blocking this line. And, you know, there is no problem too small to put through the steps because those are the things that erode my serenity and peace. And then food is the next brightest idea that I will have Um, and thank you God by doing the work I don't have to be a loud roaring tornado that gets worse and worse and worse the more I um, literally and figuratively feed it Um, so the only way out is through and by doing the work with that I pass thank you Reva P okay Kathy K it's your turn Thank you, Janice, for your service. Um, I love this paragraph. It reminds me of um, all that I've been given by working the steps. Um, I really, uh, for many years in program, before I worked the steps, I did not see my selfishness and inconsiderate habits. I thought, well, I'm abstinent on and off, and I am at a good weight, and my mood is certainly better, but I did not see all the ways that I was imposing my self-centeredness on my family, on people that I worked with, on my friends, and it's really the fourth and fifth step um, that comes before this that helped me to see the truth about me in relationships with others. Um, I I have often said that um, the longer I'm in recovery, uh, the more I see how sick I am. Um, I didn't realize on the start of this journey uh, how much my motives had 
resulted in behaviors that were really harmful to others. Um, And I'm so grateful today that we have a set of steps that on a daily basis keep me on the spiritual beam um, so that when I slip and find myself expecting a lot of other people or judging other people or um, holding on to resentments because I haven't had things go the way I think they should go, I have tools for turning those around and returning um, to a peaceful uh, place of acceptance. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kathy Kay. Okay, Amy G., it's your turn. Good morning, Jess. Good morning, everyone. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you, everyone, for your share. What an awesome meeting. I'll just uh, say real quickly, you know, selfish and inconsiderate habits. I mean, what are habits? I mean, I don't know about you all, but by the time I got to steps eight and nine, and, and that's what we're talking about here, I realized that there was so much more to this disease than meets the mouth, if you will, and that I had habits, selfishness, self-centeredness that wreaked havoc on myself and collateral damage to everyone around me and that I needed to change because if I didn't change, I was going to eat, and if I was going to eat, then I was going to die. For me, it was that simple. I had to be willing to go to any length. And if we go back to the doctor's opinion, it says, you know, why do women, men and women drink or eat? It's because they like the effect produced by alcohol. They're restless, irritable, and discontent. And that was me. And my restlessness and irritability, you know, I wanted the effect produced by the the compulsive overeating and my binge foods. And I realized that my behaviors, my attitudes, my actions were all completely centered around that. I was completely could not live in my own skin. And when I couldn't live in my own skin, abstinence or eating, I wreaked havoc to everyone around me. And I needed to change. I needed to clean up the wreckage of the past because these habits were not going to change overnight. I needed to at least clean up the past and then start dealing with these habits that I clearly still had ingrained. It talks about that more in the big book, that that twisted thinking doesn't vanish in a twinkling. And that if I didn't clean up my wreckage, if I didn't start making amends, start start changing my behavior, that sooner or later I was going to get uncomfortable in my skin again and food was going to look like a pretty good solution or it's the only solution. And I couldn't go there anymore because for me to eat was to die. So I had to be willing to go to any length, even those uncomfortable amends, realizing that the damage that I had done was damage that I had truly done. And that, you know, this disease, denial, delusion, and defiance, I couldn't deny anymore the fact that even though, as others have said, I was single, that I still had wreaked havoc and I wreaked damage and that I would continue to do so unless I started to change my behavior. And this was the only process that was in front of me to do that looked like it had worked because there were others who had peace and serenity in their eyes and weren't acting out in a manner that created more damage, and that's what I didn't want to do anymore. I didn't want to create any more damage. By the time I got to steps eight and nine, I wanted to feel good in my own skin. I wanted to, to like myself, and I wanted to stop hurting others. It was a new way of thinking for me because it wasn't all about me anymore, and that's the beauty of this program. By the time I got to seven, eight and nine, I wanted to be a different person. I didn't want to just stop eating. I wanted to be a different person. 
And this process and this relationship with the higher power and these 12 steps was allowing me to make those changes. Thank God for this program. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you so much, Amy G., for wrapping us up for the first meeting. Now, you know, we're going to have another meeting. So I want to, again, thank everyone who has already shared. Um, We're going to please join us for this second unrecorded hour of study immediately following this closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lisa H. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Keep you until then. Thank you, Janice. Um, Lisa H., compulsive overeater from Memphis. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.